This podcast is intended for advisors and staff at the cooperators. The views and opinions expressed are those of the subjects and do not necessarily reflect the official position of the cooperators. You are listening to an Advisor Network podcast where your fellow advisors share tips, stories, and lessons learned. You know, advisors didn't have enough time in the day to do everything before they found themselves knee-deep in a global pandemic. So how do you make sure you see your glass as half full and not half empty? In this series of podcasts, we're going to talk to four advisors who stand out because their attitude is everything. Declan O'Reilly is a very successful advisor in Saskatoon. His district manager, Carla Hirsch, claims to have never heard him complain. And that's where we started our discussion. Carla has never heard me complain. That's interesting. Um, There is a time and a place for complaining. You know, I'll just talk a little bit about change because if there's going to be a complaint, it usually has to do with change and how we handle change. And I sort of liken it to playing soccer and the referee blows the whistle and he calls a penalty against your team. And you see all of these players run up to the referee and start complaining. Well, he's not going to change his mind. And he's not going to say, oh, I'm sorry, I blew the whistle. I was wrong. Let's let's have a do-over. I have a couple of very close people within the cooperators where we will have conversations, you know, Sonia and Moose Jaw, Kevin Bazandowski and Regina, Joanna out in BC. And, you know, with them, they're my private audience where you have an opportunity to vent a little bit. But then you have to make a decision at some time is this is your reality. This is what we're facing. This is what we're coping with. And you just have to, at some point, say, I'm going to accept this. I have to make this work for me. If something changes, if there's new compensation, if there's new rules, if there's new compliance, if there's new something, there is no value in me sitting there and stewing and getting upset and having it annoy me. My job is to figure out how do I use this? How do I work this? How do I make this an advantage and not an obstacle? And I honestly believe that everything that the cooperators do is ultimately in our best interest. So they're not doing anything to undermine me. They're not doing anything to pull the rug from under me. They're not doing anything to try and prevent me from being successful. So when something, let's say, changes, my responsibility is to make it work for me the best possible way. So you're you're pretty upfront with uh, with your perspective on that. How do you deal with with people who who just have trouble getting out of that negative mindset? <laughs> that's a that's a, that's a tough question because you know when you have that negative mindset the person that you're hurting to the most is yourself you are not doing yourself any favor so if i'm going to be negative in my office that just flows downhill i can't expect my staff to be positive and if the if i don't believe in online services and i don't think believe there's any value to it my staff are not going to believe there's any value to it. And when a client asks about online services, the client is going to walk away thinking cooperators' online services is stupid. We all know that one negative comment is has more power than 10 positive comments. So that one negative comment or that one negative attitude can undermine all the work that you've been doing for the last couple of years. So you just have to be very, very careful. There's a lot of things that happen uh, in every organization and there's a lot of things that happen that I don't agree with I don't agree with some of the decisions that are made but I have a responsibility as the business owner and the leader in my office to make sure that I 
can reconcile those things with myself before I present them to the rest of the people that work for me. And I have a responsibility for them uh, to make sure that they know that I believe in what we're doing is correct. You know, I have eight people that work for me. I have very, very good people. My office manager, New Godet, in my mind, is the best that you could possibly find. And if I was in any way negative, she would not be able to deliver what she needs to deliver to the customers that we serve in our office. In, in 2007, you took over one of the smallest agencies in Saskatchewan. Uh, in that time, you've grown it to one of the three largest agencies in Saskatchewan. How, how important was having that positive attitude uh, in, in that success, Declan? You know, I get asked on occasion about, okay, what's the secret to your success? You know, I set goals for myself. I, I uh, stay focused on my business. It is my business. It is O'Reilly Insurance. Uh, I'm more focused on O'Reilly Insurance maybe than I am on the cooperators. And so if, if it's my business, I can't help but be positive about it. And I've mentioned this a couple of times, you know, positive attitude, positive attitude. I don't believe that positive attitude is enough. I think positive attitude is good. But if you look at a lot of people who are successful in the cooperators, and there are a lot of them who have positive attitudes, they also have something else that they don't often mention. And that is a very, very strong work ethic. And, you know, we talk about, uh, about working smart. Well, before you can work smart, you have to work hard. Uh, I have good people. Uh, I believe that they're well-trained. They understand what my goals are, they understand what we're trying to accomplish and um, they work hard. And when you work hard, then you have the luxury then at some point of being able to work smart and take it a little bit easier. Declan, I understand you are a big fan of planning. Can you tell us a little bit more about your process? You know, you meet a lot of people and they'll build a business plan and it's 50 to 100 pages and it's beautiful and you read it and you say, wow, this is, this is an amazing document. And the only time they ever look at it is when they write it and then it gets filed away and uh, it never gets looked at again because it's not a working document. So um, I was at a conference in Las Vegas and um, there was a gentleman there who was doing a presentation and he did a presentation on uh, a one page business plan. And it's very, very simple in terms of you have your vision, you have your mission. So the vision is... How do you want people to see you? You know, uh, it's like saying I'm a Blue Jay fan and the, my vision is that the Blue Jays win the World Series. Well, then the mission is, well, how are you going to do that? Well, we're going to do it by playing baseball. That's the work that you're doing. So the vision is to win the World Series. The mission is then by playing baseball. And then from that, you've got objectives and you've got goals. And for the objectives and goals, for me, it really doesn't matter. They're interchangeable and there should be very fluid but they shouldn't be very complicated they should be measurable and then you've got action items as well and I would say the most important thing in all the business plan is the action because if you've got a wonderful business plan and there's no call to action well then there's no activity if there's no activity there's no results I build a five-year business plan and a one-year business plan and the five-year business plan gets parked and the one-year business plan I have it on my desktop and I go through it on a regular basis. I have four producers who are salespeople. I have a farm specialist, commercial specialist, a life and wealth specialist, 
and then my office manager who's also had an auto. I share with them my uh, business plan. They have my business plan. They know what it is. And then there's an expectation that they build a business plan that dovetails with my business plan. They can't build a business plan that is separate and apart from mine. Their business plan is part of my business plan. And we do that once a year and we do a presentation. And then on a monthly basis, we will do up a report and send it to them to let everybody know where we are. The nice thing about the business plan is that it's a live document that's flexible and it is user-friendly and it's easy to understand and it's not extraordinarily complicated. Now, behind the scenes, you've got key indicator reports, you've got ADS reports, you've got you know uh, the new reports that we get from um, SPM and stuff like that. So there's a lot of stuff that goes in the background. And you mentioned you know 2007 all the way to now and growing. So what I did was I took my key indicator report and the first thing I did, I said, okay, what's important to my district manager? And that was life production. Okay, so, so that's important to Carla. I don't care whether it's important to me or not. It's important to Carla and she's the one that holds my contract. So I'm going to put effort and energy into looking after that portion. Then I look at, okay, what's important to me? And what is it that pays my bills, pays my rent, feeds my family, allows me to hire people? And that's the other stuff that I do in the business as well. So the life is important to me as well. I don't want you to think that that's not important. But there's a certain envelope around that because it has got a certain significance in how we keep our contract and how we you know, maximize our commissions and validate our contract and everything else. So I knew by looking at my key indicator report that I couldn't accomplish everything at once. So I picked two things. And those two things became the main focus of my business plan. You know, the two things that were very, very important to me was multi-line growth and growing my household account uh, through selling home insurance. And what I'd do is I'd look at my key indicator report and I'd pick the district average and I'd say, okay, that's our goal for the year, to beat the district average. And then we'd beat that. And once we accomplished that, then we'd pick two more things and then we grew the business. And within seven years, we had grown the business to the point where I was happy. And pretty much, if you look at my key indicators in most areas, I'm larger than the district average in most things that I measure. But it was very methodical. It was very, there was purpose to it. Uh, there was activities around it. We measured results. And it was attainable as well. And all of those things are built into my one-page business plan. 2020 has been a heck of a year for everyone. There's been lots of, of changes and, and lots of learnings. What, what have you learned this year that you will apply going forward? Expect the unexpected. Plan, but also understand that even if you have the best plan, you know, something could happen that will just say, like two years ago, if I had to say to you, we're going to have a pandemic and you're going to be working from home and uh, every time you go into a restaurant, you're going to have to uh, sanitize your hands and do all of those things. You would have said, Doctor, you're crazy. But, you know, just to expect the unexpected. You never know. But also to be resilient. You know, I, the one thing that I saw from this COVID thing is how brilliant my staff are. Jennifer, Gordon, New, Sarah, you know, they're my producers and our supporting staff, Michelle, Rihanna, Avery and Selena, they were brilliant. At the very beginning, we didn't have a situation where I was telling them what to do. We had roundtable discussions about what do you think? How do we do this? How do we move forward? And then somebody said, OK, I have this concern. OK, let's let's take that serious and address it. 
going forward will be in a situation where it doesn't really matter what happens, uh, we'll survive. We're having a good year this year. We're not having a great year this year. But at the beginning of COVID, it would have been very easy to say, this is going to be a bad year. We didn't say that. We've continued to work. We've continued to produce because our clients need us. Our clients need us to be there to uh, their lives still go on. They need their policies looked after. We're not frontline workers, but we're not too far behind the frontline workers. I'm just awfully happy and proud of the work that my staff have done to deliver to our clients all the things that they need. I don't want to have to go through this again, but the chances are we will have to go through it again and we'll be better prepared and we'll be ready for it and we'll be more accepting of it, I guess. Declan, you've given your fellow advisors a lot to think about. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I would say that maybe one of the things that contributed to my success is looking at successful people and stealing their ideas or stealing their methodology and stretching myself to do things that I'm not comfortable with or I don't agree with, but do generate results. And a good example of that is ACE leads. Now, there are people who are listening to this and say, Declan, you hate ACE leads. You don't like ACE leads. They're a waste of time. And you've said that, you know, in private many a time. And I have. But then you go to a meeting and you get somebody like Robin Schuess who just blurts it out. I love ACE leads. They're brilliant. We love them. Or you see Erin in Regina and she says, you know, every time my staff see an ACE lead, they're just all over it. They want it. And if you look at their results, their results support what they're saying. So Erin has had tremendous success in getting new clients in wealth. And Robin has just always, every, every part of her business is successful. So look at the results. Look at who, who's successful in the business. Take, you know, their success. Okay. What they're doing because if it's generating results, then it is the right activity or the right thing to be doing. Follow what they're doing. And even if you don't agree with it and don't like it, try it. Because you'll get used to it, you'll build it into your business and, and it will be fine. And I'm never afraid to change my mind. I can be doing something and um, if it's not producing the results that I, I, I want it to produce, I'll stop doing it and go and do something else. That doesn't bother me. You know, there's a lot of people who get set in their ways and they do something. And even though it's bringing them absolutely down the wrong path, they keep on doing it and they never change and adjust. You have to stop and you have to reboot and you have to re-examine what it is you're doing and the results that it's producing. The other thing that people have to remember, it's their business. It's, it's not the cooperator's business. You know, if you're not successful, the cooperators can find somebody else who can be successful. And it is sometimes maddening and frustrating and difficult and challenging and all of those things but you adjust you adapt and it's like the referee in the soccer game that i mentioned earlier he's not going to change his mind we're not going to go backwards we're not going to say oh declan in saskatoon doesn't like the fact that we have to do ace leads so we want to stop doing ace leads you know that's part of our life part of our culture and we just need to uh, find a way to make it an advantage rather than a disadvantage for your business for more tips from your fellow advisors, please subscribe to the Advisor Network Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future podcasts, or just need someone to walk you through how to subscribe, please contact me at brad underscore scott at cooperators.ca. Hey, since you listened right to the very end, here's a bonus. Declan told me about his very first job in Canada.
when I came to Canada, I was classified as a landed immigrant. I didn't have a sponsor and I didn't have a job, but I was pretty much told that if I apply for EI or social assistance or anything like that, you'd be kicked out of the country. I had five years to get myself sorted. So Thomas Carnival were coming through Thunder Bay because I was in Thunder Bay. And the very first thing I did with Thomas Carnival was help them put together the bumping cars. Of the four or five people that were there helping them, I was the hardest worker. And they told us that one person out of the group of five would like get to stay on for the rest, for the duration. If a pole had to be climbed or if something had to be done, I was the first one with my hand up, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And so I got kept on as a carny. As a 21-year-old, innocent, naive, um, shy, because I used to be quite shy, person, um, it was an eye-opener. Uh, over a couple of beers, I will tell you some stories. There was a lot of learning happened in a very, very short period as a carny.